Once upon a time, there was a new crossover that refused to play by the rules. It flipped the script and made all the others look like fools. Featuring styling that's sexier by far and handles like a rock star. Introducing the first ever Toyota CHR. Enjoy agile handling in the body of a seductive crossover that comes with standard 18-inch alloy wheels. The first ever Toyota CHR. The perfect ride to spin your own tail. Toyota. Let's go places. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. Here's the number, 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet your questions and comments at A Measure of Truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Ford, and with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at ameasureoftruth at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and repost us on Facebook and Twitter. Look, we've got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Growing up on a modest farm in a small town in western Sweden, Ganella Geraldo remembers vividly the hand-embroidered wall decoration that hung in her mother's kitchen. If you want to know nature's true way to happiness, it read, follow its first law, work. 
A strong work ethic was innate to the town, the farm, and to Ganella herself. And she remembers watching her parents labor from sunrise to sunset. Her own inherent energy and drive, however, different from the rest of the family in one key way. Growing up in Sweden, failure was not an option, so risk-taking was actively discouraged. She remembers, we were told not to try things when we weren't certain to succeed. And if we failed, the response was, I told you so. It's completely opposite of how it is in America. Despite this culture of playing it safe, Ganilla was driven to discover the world around her and the ability within her. Ganella knows that not everyone gets to experience that kind of empowerment. Over the last 15 years, over half a million people have died in the U.S. from drug abuse, and 91 Americans die each day from opioid overdose alone. In the name of these lost lives, she works today to turn that tide, connecting with young people to help them realize within themselves the drive to discover a better future. Ganella says, My core purpose is to empower everyone to succeed, whether at the organizational or individual level. She says it's what I've always done, and it's what I'll continue to do. Ganilla Geraldo, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. You know, I was just going through your bio and just looking at all this um, amazing information of your life story. And it's so funny that so often the most amazing and encouraging stories start out with humble beginnings. That's true. So, uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and what brought you to be the person that you are um, to be able to start this amazing organization. Well, on your very nice introduction, it almost sounds like I had a, a terrible childhood, but I had, I had a great childhood growing up on a farm in West Sweden, beautiful. But, you know, at that point in time, I really wanted my parents to have a regular nine-to-five job because they were always there. But I learned, you know, I learned to work hard, and, and uh, I was privileged to see, uh, to learn to grow crops and take care of, of a farm. You know, I never missed a a, a cow giving birth, for example, how many kids around the world uh, have grown up in that kind of environment? It's wonderful. And I think those, uh, th- those are my roots. And, and um, you know, although I've been here for 23 years, I've been um, recharging my batteries in, in West Sweden on that farm all those, all those years going back and forth between our countries. Mm, wow. And, and it's interesting how um, those principles of hard work, um, discipline and purpose you know they're they're so important to um success in life too because you can always apply those same things to anything you want to achieve in life yes absolutely and and my parents taught me that i'm 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 a little bit angry at the you know embroidery in my mom's kitchen but i'm also very grateful and that they really taught me how to work hard as parents i mean we do our best to raise our children to be happy and successful we don't really know what that's going to look like. We don't even know mm-hmm. as parents uh, what what the job titles are going to be five, ten years from now. Uh, but we can give uh, the foundations and the good values that we carry with us throughout the life. Now, um, you've had um, 
a lot of work experience. You had a great career, um, and you've had an opportunity to wear a number of different hats to bring you to this point. Tell us a little bit about those. Yes, I've had I've had a successful career. Um, jumped into things I really didn't know uh, much about beforehand, but you learn as as you go. Uh, career or certain titles never been my my goal. It, it's a it's a lifelong journey. Uh, but I did an internship here in D.C. in 1991, uh, had uh, just finished up my university studies, wanted to get some practical training in an office, and I uh, went to my aunt's. This was an unpaid internship, and I could not afford uh, it without my aunt's sponsorship. Uh, so she sponsored me for, for half a year, and I, I had a glimpse into networking. That's not something that we uh, did back then in Sweden. So that was totally new to me, but I was very fascinating how you could network in, and and uh, go places uh, with that skill. So that's always been with me and then one of my big assets uh, throughout my career will always be the networking skills. Uh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, long story short, I, I uh, uh, using my networking skills, I uh, took, uh, took a great job with the Industrial Designer Society of America and learned, you know, how to build organization, membership organizations, um, and um, uh, stayed there a few years and moved into uh, another organization in D.C. And I was part of the Swedish American Chamber of Commerce as a member and also the Swedish Women Organization. And through that came a little ad that they were looking for a president for the Swedish American Chamber. And I felt this was uh, interesting. I'm going to send them my implication. And, uh, but I couldn't possibly get a job with the chamber because I had not studied economics. Swedes always have an excuse uh, not to move forward. There may not be a 100% match on the job description to their resume. But I sent in the application. And uh, lo and behold, I got an interview the next day. I was in an open office space speaking Swedish, and nobody knew what I was talking about. I was totally unprepared, but I, I got the job. And mm. uh, this was in the summer of 2001, and I took office a week after 9-11. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, uh, it, was, it was really hard. Uh, I thought it was a wealthy, healthy organization with no internal politics. It was the opposite. Uh, yeah. But in 10 years, mm. um, I turned that around, and... and mm-hmm built that to the second largest European Chamber of Commerce, again, with just uh, a lot of uh, volunteer capital and bringing uh, the whole chamber network together and uh, creating programs that really facilitated trade and commerce between the U.S. and Sweden. Uh, So so that was a big job. So where did this um, strong interest in um, the youth, especially here in America and the current uh, situation here? Well, being being I I in Sweden I, I did we didn't have drugs back then. I mean, the drugs are everywhere and they don't discriminate. But I was never exposed to any any drugs, uh, and um, I was just shocked when I when I understood uh, how accessible it is to our young people out there and how um, they think that it's not dangerous and and uh, everybody's doing it and one time doesn't hurt. So. When I was recruited by uh, the Mentor Foundation to expand our operations in the U.S., I was really humbled, first of all. didn't know if I could take on that, a task like that. But I looked at our programs, and they were really, really good. And I knew that, uh, of course, the need is there, and it's urgent, and it's now. And we, as, as uh, business leaders, need to really uh, do something about it. If we don't, 
you know, invest in our in our young people or in our communities. We're not investing in our companies. Plus, right. I have two teenagers myself, so I'm always uh, worried um, about them and and their friends. Uh, so. Uh, so I thought I thought it was a really uh, fantastic opportunity to um, bring in the, all the corporations that I have developed relationship with over the 20 plus years in the U.S. and really uh, ask them to step up to the plate and support uh, Mentor Foundation what we were doing. Oh, that's great! That's great. So um, let's just take a, a bird's eye view of where the Mentor um, Foundation was before and where they are now. So what was it like yeah. when you first came in? Well, I was the first CEO that, that they hired, and uh, mm-hmm. the programs had been tested and tried. It, it, is a, it is an international organization. We're part of Mentor International, which was founded by the Queen of Sweden, actually, and the World Health Organization. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it had only been in the U.S. since 2011, so started out in the D.C. area. Uh, but I, I took a look at, at um, the scalability of the programs and also bringing in more corporate sponsors and also, of course, collecting data. Uh, it's, it's essential in order to get grants. So in three and a half years, um, our programs have grown uh, considerably. We are, we're now in New York City. We're in New York State. Uh, we're in Pennsylvania. Some of our programs reach young people across the United States. Um, so it's... Um, I'm really proud of of, of uh, the impact that we're having and where we can so, head with the organization. So um, on on the ground level, um, how is it that you, your program approaches youth that are in crisis and how do you get them involved? What's the starting point? Well, it, it's all about prevention, actually. So mm-hmm. the key is mm-hmm. to, to not get them into drugs at, at all. So what mm-hmm. Mentor Foundation has is uh, two... two um, Two legs, so to speak. One is mentoring. Mentoring is universally globally known as a tool to reduce the risk factors of kids uh, going down the wrong paths. Um, it reduces the risk factors by 50%. Then what we also know is when uh, peers talk to peers, uh, we know yeah. that we, they can have a bigger impact. And young people have a lot to say if we take the time mm-hmm. to listen and provide a platform mm-hmm. and tools for them to, right. to do so. And we have to meet them where they are on social media, for example. Mm, yeah. uh, so the other part of our program is, is peer-to-peer. So we, we, we train youth ambassadors to become their own advocates for drug prevention using social media and other tools. And that is proving to be uh, very promising. Wow. You know, when yeah, we can great. change the attitudes to drugs and, and, and risky mm-hmm. behaviors, uh, then we can also change behaviors. Okay. So there's something really interesting about this program that I'm hearing that um, I, you know, have heard of a number of different programs that are reaching out to youth. And, um, you know, most often they're using someone who's coming out of a bad situation, but this is showing mm-hmm. that you don't need to have that story to be able to make a difference and have an impact. No, that's that's right. I mean, I, it's absolutely great when you share your stories and, and of recovery, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, there's lots of, of of young people that are living the example uh, that we need to listen to and share their stories with others. So it's it's uh, it's positive messaging. Uh, we run a campaign that we call "Living the Example." Actually, it's a it's a national video contest 
kids across the United States submit videos on how they did an example. And this was just a test a couple of years ago, but um, it's kind of the concept of getting the vote out in America. So once you submit your video, you get your, the, the message out on your social media platform to your friends. And in this year we ran this, we had, oh, I think it was 50,000 votes and views from 75 different countries. So wow. it's, it was fascinating uh, with very little resources as, as a nonprofit. Um, but it, it shows you that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not, we, we're tired of bad news. We want to hear good news, too, and showing yeah. by, by example. Uh, tell us some of the countries that your program is in. Uh, well, we are headquartered in, in Sweden, and we have operations. We have affiliate members in the U.K., in Germany, Germany uh, Lithuania, um, here in the U.S., um, Denmark, to name a few. Wow, that's great. And um, you said it started there in Sweden, and um, it grew from there. Um, so how large is this organization as it stands today? Well, in, it was still, you know, a very small operation-wise and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. staff-wise, but uh, there's a lot of volunteer power, too, a lot of mentors from the, from the private sector. Um, but, you know, the impact is, is pretty large. I think we have impacted uh, six, 60, 6 million kids in 80 countries oh so since we started. Wow. Uh, wow. So we collect, you know, best practices around the world and share with other mm-hmm. prevention organizations as well. Really. Um, and that's the point I was actually trying to get to. It's really, you know, boots on the ground as well as what, what is its impact, how successful is the program. And, wow, 6 million. Yeah. That's amazing. That is and we amazing. have to constantly innovate and, and look at what's working and what's not me- working and, and measure sure. uh, the impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I guess you have a, a group of professionals that are also doing that as well and um, helping you to stay on top of metrics that are actually working to produce the results you're looking for. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, um, a lot of companies that I kind of work with, um, they, 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 they want to have an impact, but, it's also quite time-consuming, and we want to make it as easy as possible for companies to get engaged. Uh, we we uh, we tell them all you have to do is to show up and, and care. Uh, we do the rest of the work, so um, uh, it's a very structured program where we bring um, kids in an underserved community into a company once a month for mentoring. It works very well. Mm. Are there some um, specific success stories you can highlight for us? Um, oh, there's so many. We have uh, some of the companies we work with here locally, Baker Hostetler, for example, law firm. Uh, 100% of um, the the mentees from last year's program moved on to uh, higher education. Uh, wow. We have uh, Click Technology in Pennsylvania. I work with an underserved community outside Philadelphia, also very, very successful. What I'm extremely excited about, um, uh, and I have just recently left the Mentor Foundation to work with a corporate mentoring program, but I'm extremely excited about the scholarship foundation that we have uh, been um, privileged to offer our mentees and youth ambassadors. Uh, through the Structured Finance Industry Group, they had decided to um, start a foundation and, and invest in young people, and we were invited to pitch our organization, and we won. And I'm so incredibly proud of, of that. It, it, uh, 
it's it's life changing. So uh, in March, I think it was in March, I received a list of the first 11 recipients in New York State, in Pennsylvania, and here in D.C. And these high school seniors uh, will receive up to forty thousand dollars each to pursue oh. higher education. Uh, it was wow. just uh, go- had goosebumps. It was just very moving and amazing. Yeah, so, um, that, that's a substantial amount of money. <laughs> so that's um, that's that's one success that I'm extremely proud of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and um, this has been going on. Um, so these are students. Also, you're going to track through the process as well and find out what their oh, success yes. stories. And yes, um, the students who are coming through this program, um, how long do they stay in it? Um, are, are they actually coming back to participate and actually become mentors themselves? Or how does that work? How's, what's the full circle? I hope they will. I mean, you know, having uh, a young person receive such a, a great, generous scholarship, I'm, I'm sure that they will be forever uh, giving back to the community uh, in, in many different ways. But um uh, we, we the mentoring program is is uh, between six months and up to a year that we work with mm-hmm. the high school students. Um, and with the peer to peer program, it's also a year long program, so we can see see an impact. But you know, some of the students um, come back year after year. And these first scholarship recipients will be part of a uh, uh, youth council. They will be required to engage in community projects uh, in order to um, continue receiving the scholarship. So, but they already are naturally just engaged in the community. So um, we hope to be able to track them for, they will be our future leaders, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and service is a big way to get people involved and to, you know, help them to understand the importance of serving and the impact that they can have. And as opposed to just being popular, you know, you have to insert that in, there's a an energy inside of young people that needs to be guided, <laughs> and there are so yes, many exactly. things in social media that are stealing that away, and they're they're it's you know it's being twisted and it's being you know augmented um, for corporations and other persons that are just using up our young people's enthusiasm, and um, it's good to find you know projects and things that they can use to learn and grow and become better persons. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as I said, when we they have a lot to say, and if we take the time to listen, we use uh, slam poetry as one of the tools for them to uh, empower them to speak up and out, and it really works. Oh, uh, whether it's in really? inner city or in the countryside, it, it really works. Uh, mm. It's very moving. Mm. Wow. Gives them a voice to share their story, uh, wow. and it's also. Really the next time you do that, you have to let me know. I'll show up for that. <laughs> yes. <I> mean, <laughs> oh, I yeah, love absolutely. poetry, and I love to hear young people express themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. No, I was going to say that um, for, for companies, when they see uh, that they're part of realizing a young person's potential and, and, and realizing dreams, it, it's really uh, inspiring for them. Um, mm. As it is for us, so but it's also a fact with particularly in underserved communities that uh, you know they don't know uh, what's out there if we don't open doors and show them all the possibilities that they can pursue. Uh, so yeah. I think that's also a very um, important part of our programming. So what is it that you guys need um, to to continue to do the work that you do? Um, um, how how do you actually raise funds, and how are you actually um, able to be able to expand this um, initiative? 
Well, it's, it's, uh, I think the easiest way is to get engaged as a corporate uh, uh, mentoring partner uh, and uh, become a, a career mentor. Uh, so you would do that by contacting our office um, and um, just sign on, and, and we'll, we'll do the rest for you. Um, but if you, don't have, if you don't think you have the time to be a mentor, uh, a contribution is always uh, appreciated and will go a long way. Okay, and um, so what do your mentors do? How do they interact, and what do they provide to um, the young people who are involved? It's, uh, the, the sessions are about two hours, and, and it's a very structured curriculum where we look at uh, you know the goals and self-efficacy and uh, you know preparing a resume, doing interviews, and just uh, uh, guiding uh, the, the high school student along the path. Um, so it's it's pretty simple, but uh, very effective. Yeah, yeah. And um, for some youth as well, uh, you're going through a helping them through a process that for many um, their parents yeah, have not gone through. Yeah, how do you overcome challenges? Yeah, exactly. And how do you mm-hmm. overcome challenges? And how do you uh, you know resilience? And uh, how do you um, how do you how do you how do you shake hands? How do you follow up from an interview? All those soft skills that are really important as well. Right. Uh, particularly right. now that you know we have a generation that's just grown up on technology. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what they're losing. They're losing these interpersonal skills, the soft skills that you're talking yeah. about. And um, you know, even when you listen to young people talk as well, their their internality doesn't really say what they mean. And um, no. because they're so used to texting, they're no longer yeah. using those skills as well. So it's just amazing how quickly these things are falling apart. But if someone steps in, um, you know, you can really save a generation and help kids to be able to integrate into the workforce and be productive. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you guys are doing. Um, and uh, I want to talk no, with it, you afterwards fantastic. as well. Yeah, I I, yeah, I don't it, know. It I feel like I need to do something with your organization as well. I don't know what, but <laughs> I'll figure oh, it we out. Can, we can we can find something really great for you to do. Um, yeah. You're such a you know inspiring mentor yourself, and I know that. But it also now that I'm working in in the in the private sector, I will always be of course uh, you know passionate and be a champion for mentor foundation and young people. But I also uh, see that now we're in the private sector. I haven't even bigger opportunity to have an even bigger impact. It was really hard to leave Mentor, uh, you know, a couple of months ago after having such a great impact. And I, um, I feel that there's something even bigger and working with corporations and, and making more corporations give back. But it also a lot of parallels into what I'm now working with, which is called To Mentor, um, which is founded by a fantastic uh, Washingtonian entrepreneur called Julie Cantor. I'm really excited to be working with her. Uh, but the same things, um, uh, it's, it's, the same, it's the same principles that, that the corporations need in terms of creating uh, diversity, uh, recruiting and retaining millennials in, in the workforce, and elevating minorities and women into leadership roles. And it all has to do with mentoring and, and sponsoring each other. Um, so I'm truly excited in, about the response that we are getting from the marketplace as well. Is the big wow. need. Plus, plus, and the name of this company this is again is? Two Mentor, T W O M E N T O R. Oh, I see. 
two mentor together, you get women in the middle, and you also have men in there. Clever word. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's twomentor.com. Um, but I think what I'm really truly inspired about is that this is a this is a global trend that millennials will take a uh, they will they they are looking for purpose before paycheck. Uh, that's the mm. trend. They're looking for mm. companies that are investing in them and in mentoring, uh, and uh, you know, and their their personal and professional development. And those will be our future leaders. It's pretty it's pretty inspiring when you think about it. Mm. Wow, my I, I just clicked onto the webpage. I don't know somehow I missed this, but this is great stuff too. Wow. Yes, so I guess we'll yeah, have to have you back on again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy to, but it is uh, it is amazing. So I think that we can have just for both for young people that are coming into the workforce, and and what I'm currently doing is it's extremely exciting. Um, so it it connects what I what I was doing with what I am doing right now and and in the future. Yeah, wow, that that's really good stuff, and. Um, it's it's amazing to me um how when you when you choose a path of service um your career sort of takes on its own path so to speak these things just fall into place for you and um was that yeah. the case with you um moving on to this uh new endeavor uh yes i felt um First of all, I've been here 23 years. Uh, my my all my family is still in Sweden, and I, I felt that I needed to create also a situation for myself where I can be a little bit more available and, and flexible and be able to see my mom more often. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the these issues are are really global. The needs that company have to uh, to really develop their workforce. Uh, a company that's really not investing in, in 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 their employees and their workforce development is going to lose out. So I saw a big need there at the same time and not abandoning the young people that I love serving. I'm bringing them with me into into uh, oh, yeah. the, the private sector and the opportunities right. that I see there. So uh, so it felt, it, felt, it felt really right. And um, also, you know, building on my, my big corporate network uh, that both in Scandinavia and here um, – so I think in this in this transition that I've gone through, because it is it is kind of transition. It feels that I'm driving it and I'm connecting the dots for myself to have a, a bigger impact with what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, um, and, and that's great. And if that makes I can sense. tell you, someone who understands and believes in purpose as well, um, and um, that's so important. And, and I believe myself that God has a special blessing for those who dedicate their lives to serving and uplifting mm-hmm. others. So um, yeah. you know, we wish you so much success in what you're doing. And um, it looks like you're already on, on the way. And um, I, I just wanted to, um, so if, is there anything we haven't covered? Have you written a book or are you a famous <laughs> no, singer not, as well? Not yet. <laughs> I am, no, I am, I'm still learning. I'm learning maybe when I get older, but I, 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 you know, Going back to what I don't know if I've answered your questions correctly, but going back to one of the things you talked about, I think you just you just have you don't know what you don't know, and 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 mm-hmm. when you throw yourself into something, you you you're gonna learn. I mean, I didn't know I could run a Swedish American Chamber of Commerce. I didn't know I could run write a prevention program for drugs, but I did, uh, and I didn't know that I could could um, create new business between Sweden and the U.S., but I did. 
But it's all mm. about it's all about the relationships and the connections and and um, connecting with people and and connect, connecting the dots to maximize you know our the the benefits and results of what we're all doing. Okay, I'm pretty sure ourselves. that's going to be in the table of contents of your book. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, Tomette Herring introduced me to you, and um, she told me you were a dynamo, and and you were just um, very well connected, and um, a powerhouse out there, and someone that I needed to uh, connect with and um, do some research on, and um, very impressed with what I saw. But apparently, I didn't look far enough. There's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more. There's a lot of a lot yeah, of yeah. Wow, start peeling the onion. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I am so happy to have uh, met you, and um, hopefully, um, we can work together um, in the near future as well. I'm very curious to see, you know, some of the things that um, you know your organizations that you have worked with and are working with are doing. And um, this yes. is this is my niche right here. This is the things that I'm most interested in. You know, it's all yeah, about who that. who touches who and what's the impact and how yes. is the world changed um, based on these interactions. So um, I, yeah. I really yeah. like and, this. And, and, yeah, and, and you don't I mean we have, all have big goals, but you know, break it down for every every new person that you meet, for every action you take. Circumstances have changed and mm. you move forward. So mm-hmm. I think that's important when we think about all the things we want to achieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's great. And um, you are um, often um, called to speak publicly as well. Is there anything that's coming up in the near future? Uh, I hope so. I'm not sure. I just spoke with a group of uh, young professional women in, in Sweden. I loved meeting with them. We talked about developing your own uh, strategic personal plan for success. It was so much fun. Um, mm. And uh, so I, I love speaking on, on, on those types of topics. Uh, and also uh, a new expression that I learned just last week that that I have, but I didn't I didn't have a word for it called executive presence. I love it, and I, uh, that's mm. one, one of my secret skills. You know, you, you, the the gravitas, the communications, and the presence in the room. It, it makes a whole difference, and it can be it can be uh, it can be learned. Yeah. So uh, wow. those types of things I really, I really uh, love working with, and I will always continue to have mentors and mentees. This is how I develop as a person and professional. Uh, not just being a mentor, but equally uh, being have, having mentees. They're, they're, they teach me so much more than anybody else. And um, I mentioned that you are actually mentor actually people and. Um, organizations as well on the organizational level. How was that done? It's uh, yes, I do. Um, our programs are are very scalable. We we can uh, we can work with small groups, twenty. We can work with up to big groups of two thousand people. We do flash mentoring, which is kind of ignites the whole mentoring culture in a company. We do uh, road uh, mentoring roadmap. Uh, where we take our organizations through different scenarios and they learn along the way. Uh, we also have sponsor programs. Um, there's a big difference between uh, mentoring and sponsoring. A, a mentor um, yeah. you know, guides you along the way where you have a sponsor really talks about you when you're not in a room and, and, and promotes you. Uh, so those types of cultures that we build. And we meet, we meet um, via webinars, we meet in person, we meet at big conferences. It's, uh, it's very uh, flexible. 
Oh, that's great. And um, give everyone your websites and how they can also, um, you know, contact you as well directly and your, your LinkedIn profile and so forth and so on. Yes. So uh, my current website is twomentor.com. That's T-W-O-M-E-N-T-O-R.com. And you'll find all my contact information there. And you can Google me or search me on LinkedIn, which is Gunilla, G-U-N-S-N-A-N-C-I-L-L-A dot, no, Gerardo is my last name, G-I-R-A-R-D-O. And um, and if you want to get engaged uh, as a mentor, you, we would go to uh, mentorfoundationusa.org and uh, and seek seek out uh, you know how to become a corporate mentor for young people. Uh, that's great, and I really encourage um, everyone out there to do that. If you have not figured out um, how you would like to give back, and you know most companies need to find a way to, you know you know, give some of that profit away to someone as a tax write-off, however you want to look at it. Look towards a a great way to do it where the story on the back end can really um, help you as well to know that you are part of making a difference. That's what it's really all about. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Ganella. Um, It, it's been Thank a you great so much, show. Michael. This and, is so. I've never been on a show before on the radio show, and and Pete's uh, still there. <laughs> <laughs> I barely noticed it. Um, and uh. um, but you know, European accents are you know they're they're, they're attractive. So you know, <laughs> that's something you <laughs> have to you be so worried much. about. So yeah. No, thank you. So, well, I really appreciate it, and I do look forward to um, speaking with you again. Um, you'll probably hear from me very soon because um, with this conversation, it's got my ears just, you know, burning. Cause oh, I'm, yeah, absolutely. I, I hear people who are listening to this show that I've had conversations with saying, Mike, what about, and, you know, so <laughs> expect yes, to hear from me again. Me again. And, I love um, being on your show. Yeah. I'm and, so grateful. Um, very good. Well, thank you, Ganilla. And uh, I know you got some things you have to do today. And uh, I really appreciate you taking time out to come and talk with us. And again, we will hope to hear from you again real soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. The new media business model. We live in a world today where broadcast media has fallen from its once lofty pedestal as the primary source of accurate, concise news and information to an industry in a state of panic. Faced with the ongoing challenges of monetizing digital news due to the intricate open-source complexities of the Internet, we find that instead of newspapers, magazines, and TV networks being separate entities, we now see that they're only merely divisions of the very same media conglomerate. The end result, we find a culture of networks that have evolved to make truth and accuracy secondary, and the pursuit of ratings, advertising dollars, and the buzz of social media, the news desk, primary focus. The once rare occurrence has become the standard and the code of ethics that held the profession of journalism in check is long forgotten, as well as its often touted quotes that are carefully placed in a network statement of retraction and apology for unvetted news stories gone awry. The factual basis for news has taken a backseat to its emotional value and viral potential. 
This is so much a part of the new media debacle that you can hardly find news stories, or even a weather report for that matter, that have not been exaggerated with a healthy dose of sensationalism, scare tactics, or unwarranted possible tragic outcomes. Shaping public opinion used to be part of a network's identity that they would reiterate with a daily barrage of blurbs that were meant to educate or reinforce their values or politics that defined their mission and would hopefully make them stand out among their competitors as a unique source. Although media seems to have the full attention of the corporate and political base, it seems to be losing its control and status in the realm of public opinion. Most have given up on trying to drive these opinions and are now relying more and more on trying to follow rather than lead and focus on early discovery and adaptation of social media trends in order to hopefully appear to be in line with public opinion. What? Media trying to fit in and hang out with the cool kids? How did that happen? Look, there's a hole in the wall of new media. But the way I see it, the problem is not with the hole. The problem is the wall. It's what's hidden behind that wall or veil, if you will, is new media's failing. It's no secret that the media has for some time focused on how to earn viewers' loyalty and trust in order to control how and what we think. But the veracity of social media's information exchange has force new media to rethink their programming and interaction with this new type of viewer that is evolving and growing at a faster pace that can be accurately measured by today's benchmarks. With the on-camera presence of the laptop on virtually every newscast, media has conveniently presented a viable resource that the viewer could very well use to get the same information. This once sedentary audience is now supplementing their viewing experience with a healthy dose of online multitasking and have become very tech-savvy and needs to be recognized as capable of news gathering, critical thinking, and fact-checking from multiple sources at a moment's notice, voicing their point of view and quickly becoming a viable part of the story through public opinion which gives them an even greater role on how news is compiled and disseminated. Our world is rapidly changing, as is our response to news stories and the tactics that can be used effectively to captivate audiences. Some of these tactics that are still in use are rapidly becoming outdated. For example, when I hear a news teaser that tells me that I would need to tune in at 10 or 11 to get the full story, I'm no longer at the mercy of the network. As a matter of fact, if I'm indeed interested, I search the topic myself on the Internet to find the information that they would want me to wait to hear. And that may or may not be their lead story, by the way. And I find that by the time the story airs at 10 or 11, that one... I have more information on the same story that was presented in the newscast. And two, I have already had plenty of time to discuss it in detail with my wife and form my own opinion. Three, tweeted and posted the topic or news story on Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn from the sources that I found. And four, I've had the time to respond to the comments from my network of friends and responders. Five, by the time the story airs at 10 or 11, 
Not only am I not further informed by its 40 to 90 second contribution, I'm also unimpressed. Am I the only one who takes this approach? I think not. This is rapidly becoming the norm. Just as YouTube has fostered a culture of content that is promoted after it's produced based on its organic interest and buzzworthy measure on the social media trend curve, we find that new media's attempts to manufacture or counterfeit this kind of response has led to awkward, failed attempts that merge new media concepts with old production standards that, in effect, creates a random hodgepodge that often falls short in both production and execution. Just as Facebook has shown it's far better to go to where the traffic is than to spend the money and resources it takes to drive traffic to you, we see a new paradigm in web analytics that has a repeating theme that reveals that the free, trending social media solution that everyone is talking about is what is more often the most effective. Now that the public has fully embraced this powerful new tool of social media and can now dictate by their actions how and where they would like to receive and align themselves with sources of news and information, it's clear that some changes need to be made. Although I do have some answers due to over a decade in media and some astute observations, I can say this. What is most important in this ever-changing world of new media, information technology, and social media is that new media visionaries stay focused in order to get that first glimpse of what's new on the horizon and project and plan for its potential impact and opportunity accordingly. So it is imperative in order to gain this advantage that, first and foremost, that we're looking in the right direction. Now, I'm confident to say that I am looking in the right direction, and I'm perfecting a system of digital media standards that produce social interaction engines that will easily power the social media vehicle of the day and quickly be dropped into the new media model of the future. It's not as difficult as one might think. We just need to first see our viewers as trusted partners and not a captive audience. I predicted the death of the printed newspaper back in 2004 for this very same reason. Now, you would think with all this talk about what's wrong with new media that I would have all the answers. Well, I don't. I promise, though, that in the near future, it will be very clear that I have taken up the banner to be a key player in this new media transition. And I have committed myself to do my part to rage against the machine. But this is a major undertaking. That although I've laid the groundwork, it will require the support and expertise of some very talented and dedicated individuals. Believe it or not, I think I've got that part taken care of. I have put together my own dream team of visionaries, if you will that are some of the most dynamic, forward, critical thinkers that the industry has never heard of. Well, not in this capacity, anyway. And our unorthodox approach to new media standards will be a catalyst for change and a successful transition. Look, we don't fear change or the future. 
This is where we live. And once you've had a chance to hang out here for a bit, you'll come to realize that the rumors are all untrue. But honestly, our work has just begun. I could puff out my chest and speculate and make vast projections about this new undertaking. After all, I'm honored and humbled at the task and clear vision that God has given me. Yes, I could say more. But anything beyond that requires a measure of truth. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman and Tomet Herring for bringing us our special guest today. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Once upon a time, there was a new crossover that refused to play by the rules. It flipped the script and made all the others look like fools. Featuring styling that's sexier by far and handles like a rock star. Introducing the first ever Toyota CHR. Enjoy agile handling in the body of a seductive crossover that comes with standard 18-inch alloy wheels. The first ever Toyota CHR. The perfect ride to spin your own tail. Toyota. Let's go places.